Before we get into the most spectacular episode of Merge Conflict ever recorded, let's take a quick second here to thank our amazing sponsor, Syncfusion. Listen, Syncfusion's been with us forever. And I've been using Syncfusion forever as well because they are the world's best UI component suite for building powerful web, desktop, and mobile applications. No matter what type of application you're building, Syncfusion has something for you. And what that something is, is over 1,700 components that support the major platforms that are out there today. So if you're building web apps, you know, with Blazor or ASP.NET Core or JavaScript or Angular or React or Vue or just jQuery apps or mobile apps with .NET MAUI or Flutter or UWP or JavaScript apps or desktop apps with WinForms, WPF, WinUI, .NET MAUI, Flutter, Xamarin, UWP, basically anything. What are you developing with? They probably got you covered. They have awesome charts, controls, widgets, dashboards, all sorts of good things that you can integrate into your application in seconds. Head over to syncfusion.com slash merge conflict to learn more. That's syncfusion.com forward slash merge conflict. And thanks Syncfusion for sponsoring this week's pod. All right, Frank, let's get into it. This is the epic, no, not conclusion, precursor to the conclusion of Frank's saga and my continued battle with in-app purchases. And this time, Frank is going all in on trying to get that sweet, sweet subscription money. <laughs> you make it sound so naughty. Okay, yes. Hi, James. I feel like this is a continuation of your series, really. Like, isn't this like Island Tracker subscription version 13 or episode 13 or something like that? What happened is you convinced me of the wonderful world of subscriptions. And honestly, the, the, the world has moved to the wonderful world of subscriptions. But I'm slow. I'm slow. It takes me time. But I've finally done it. I finally have a production-ready version of a pro mode of iCircuit, ready to go, thanks to your helpful beta testing. And I'm nervous and excited. And either way, it works out. I'm just happy that we can finally have part 13 of the Island Saga. So we did talk a little bit uh, before we, you know, I uh, have talked a lot about creating in-app billing and in-app purchase uh, libraries. I've talked about integrated into my app. I've talked about the struggle that I went through last year, uh, which was going through the motions that I already had a pro mode one-time purchase because they're way easier than subscriptions. You don't have to worry about much. And, and we'll, we'll talk about that. I think as you started mm -hmm. to go through testing and some of the complexities, this would be a good refresher, Has which is, yeah. has anything changed in a year since James went through this? Now, I ended up um, going through and just adding both a one-time purchase and a full monthly subscription option into my applications. And I've seen you know, a good mixture. I think the one thing that I've liked about my approach uh, is that it actually gives uh, people the opportunity to try something for a month at a very low cost without having to go all in if they want to. Now, I don't actually know the conversions if someone gives me a conversion, like they stopped a subscription and then bought this other thing. But I will say this, I do see people signing up for the monthly subscriptions here and there. They're pretty cheap uh, just to try it out. And that's, to me, it's, before I was getting $0 from them and now I'm getting, you know, a dollar from them or 50 cents or whatever it is. And that felt pretty good. Now you went down a different approach because you are starting from almost a blank slate. Correct, Frank? Well, not quite a blank slate. A, a lot of trouble I had deciding whether I wanted a subscription thing was I, I wasn't confident in doing a free app. This is kind of my living mm. here and I make money off of 
people just purchasing the app. And so I did feel a little bit boxed in by that um, because I think a nicer way to do a promo is a free app and then you pay a subscription price for the app. I think that's kind of the direction the world's moving, but I'm not gutsy enough to move in that direction. So I felt a little boxed in there. Um, also, I, I, I kind of see your buyout. We talked about it a lot where instead of a subscription, just quote someone kind of a high price and be like, and you're good for life. Uh, a lifetime pro or something like that. I feel like that's something I can add. Mm. Um, and this was already getting complex enough. As you said, it, it's funny. I was thinking back to our old episodes when I was implementing the logic because it, it was funny. I, I ran into most of the same problems you ran into. Um, so I felt boxed in in those ways. And I also couldn't decide uh, the app is available on different platforms. How was I going to achieve multi-platformness and things like that? So I decided um, to implement it both on iOS and Mac, but to also use CloudKit to sync them so that you can actually uh, purchase on one or the other. So there were already complexities there. And so I felt like the big buyout mode um, was just another complexity I just didn't want to deal with right now. I should say also, I, I was designing this pro mode People have actually volunteered in email. They're like, hey, find ways that we can give you more money because we like your app and we actually want to do that. So it's this isn't coming completely out of the blue. And I noticed in the code base when I went to implement this, I had already implemented two different in-app purchasing <laughs> UIs, services, everything, full, full, full-blown implementations. And I'd kind of forgotten, but the first one I implemented was a tip jar. Mm. And I thought that was the direction I was going to go for these passionate users. But what I kind of concluded was tip jars cool and all, but wouldn't it be nice to actually give them features yeah. <laughs> for their tips? And therefore, we're talking a pro mode. So that was kind of my my global big high level logic of why this feature took me so long to get to and yeah, choices I had to make along the way. Yeah, no, I think this makes a lot of sense because you now have a great base set of functionality in your application that everybody can enjoy. And that's a fair, like, this is what you sort of look at it is, and this is how I looked at it for my cadence, which was, I believe that for free, that the base level yeah. of functionality is something that everybody can enjoy for the dollar, the dollar amount that they had to pay, which was nothing. Nothing. Right. And so, so there's that thing, right. When you, when you buy something, you know, a good example is my, uh, let's say my cycling bike that I have, I could have spent, uh, all the money on a Peloton back in the day, but I didn't, I bought the, you know, $250 bike. Mm -hmm. And then the base functionality of that bike was the amount of money that was there, but I decided to add some features onto it. Right. And I had to pay for those features. Like a cadence sensor, like a nice uh, seat, like an iPad stand, right? I, I spiced it up. I added those things and those things somebody had to develop. They had to put time and energy into. But if I didn't have those things, I still wasn't restricted. Like I didn't feel like I, I couldn't do the things that I wanted to do. They were nice to have because I was I was maximizing my usage and I wanted to go further. If I was to apply sort of your theory here of going from the tip jar and getting nothing out of it compared to, in this case, you've delivered some nice features. 
Yeah. And the trick going forward is deciding new features. Are they in the standard version or are they in the pro version? And I'm going to lean heavily toward the pro version because I'm, I'm going to want to entice people. iCircuit is 10 years old. It's pretty, you know, it has the features it needs <laughs> to do its job. And so I feel like all the fluffy new cool features, I'm, I'm going to put a bunch of those into the pro version and really try to entice people into that also. Uh, it, it's tricky marketing stuff and all that, but uh, it it is good to have all the plumbing in because, you know, we talked a lot about like talking to services like Apple, we talk about the main UI for actually, um, you know, purchasing and uh, <laughs> refreshing, you know, reloading all those purchases. But I found uh, in a big app, you really have to plumb what I started calling the app skew <laughs> throughout the entire app so that individual components, individual UI elements, A, know if they're in standard mode or pro mode at the time and get events for going from pro mode to standard mode. So I found, you know, talking to Apple service really isn't too bad. <laughs> it's, it's a real pain to debug. Oh God, I always forget how hard it is to debug. But it's not too bad. The UI is pretty simple, whatever. Uh, but man, adding that plumbing throughout the app and making sure any UI can pop up a, hey, do you want to try pro mode? <laughs> kind of thing like that. And then I put in all that effort. And then one of your uh, feedbacks from the beta test was, you should be promoting it more, Frank. More plumbing. <laughs> so more it, it's, plumbing. You, you, did, you did it with a small app. But let me tell you, with a big app, uh, putting this... Putting this in is hard. Uh, I've, I've learned every app from now on. <laughs> I'm putting this in from the beginning because it's obviously a, a cross-cutting feature. Yeah, I, I, I do think that your app is also relatively complex. And there's a balance because it's not like people got it for free. They paid for it. And you also don't want to immediately hit people with a now give me more money type of thing, right? You kind of yeah. want it to be an, oh, you've naturally hit this thing or you've been using it for a while or, you know, oh, you've used it for over a hundred days. Let me, let me add a few more little things that become visible. That'd be actually kind of cool, I think, uh, yeah. there. But I do think the idea that you had, if I go back to the beginning of, the, you know, adding more features into the pro level, that's what I've done. Because what that does to me, at least, is it and it, it spices up the um, you know developing more advanced features, spices up for folks that are giving you money. So like, oh, they get like oh, I've already given you money, boom, I get more stuff. And then if they're on the pro mode subscription, and then additionally, there's it's spicier for people to do that. But I do think the nice thing is that you can always add it to the free version, but you can't take it away. <laughs> Yeah, yeah. And in my slight over-engineering, my app SKU includes a free version. So, you know, maybe if I want to tempt fate in the future, I could switch it over to free and I test that mode and have like demo modes and things like that. Mm. Yeah, uh, it's fun. You could do... That's the part where I'm falling short a little bit right now because I have to get more familiar with Apple, but like there are promotions for subscriptions. So I am using the auto-renewing subscriptions which, again, is the third time I've had to implement in-app purchases because I've done consumables. I did fake consumables that acted like subscriptions, but they were actually consumables. And this time I did real subscriptions. 
Um, and Apple does offer those cool promo things for it, uh, where you, what, you can get like a month free or something like that. I, I actually don't mm-hmm. know the details, but I will try out some of those promos. This was the big plumbing <laughs> one. I'll, I'll fine tune it over the next few months. Yeah, I do. I do believe that that stuff that I've, I've looked at the API and I exposed the API, but I never used the API myself. So I, I believe that it would be really neat over the next year, right? I'm sure that you're going to be doing lots of experiments and trying stuff out and putting in new UI for this. Like how will that, how will that go? Right. And what will that look like to your users? But I do have a few questions for you, Frank, because mm-hmm. now from my understanding, iCircuit, this is the standard iCircuit. This was like you said, 10 plus years old and you have two SKUs. You have a uh, Mac SKU and an iPhone SKU, which means that they um, do not share inherently the in-app purchases across each other. However, you said you're using CloudKit to synchronize these. So I would love if you could divulge some information of of the, I think I described the problem, but if there's more to the mm-hmm. problem, that would be great. And then how this uh, is actually working uh, yeah. under the hood or what would you have to go through for that? Right. So overall, there was the grand decision of do I do cross-platform Pro? Like if I buy Pro on iOS, does it help for the Mac version? Would it work for the Android version? Would it work for the Windows version? Because I am a cross-platform app. And I decided Pro, yes. Um, If they've bought the app and they're going from standard to Pro, uh, it is going to be cross-platform. Only pay once, ideally. Problem is Apple's not really set up for that. Uh, In order to share subscriptions, the apps need to be under the same bundle ID, same SKU, Mm. as you said. And I don't have that. Um, And I've gotten flack for it in the past. So people have to pay for the Mac version. They have to pay for the iOS version. Um, I've got a little bit of flag for it in the past, but honestly, financially, it works better for me. Um, I did iCircuit3D the other way, and it, it works less financially well that way. <laughs> um, so I don't, and just, I, I don't want to combine them into the same bundle for other reasons. They're, they're pretty mm. separate apps in this world. But I did want to share the pro version. So what did I have to do? I implemented identical subscriptions for the iOS version and the Mac version uh, within uh, App Store Connect. Uh, so I have, well, well, the way they do it, it's fun. You, you have subscription groups and someone can just select one option between within that subscription group. So within subscription groups, I have a monthly payment system or a yearly payment system. And the yearly saves you two bucks or three bucks, three bucks. <laughs> And uh, I repeated that on the Mac side, different uh, bundle, uh, uh, what do you call them? Product IDs, you know, whatever, that little thing that you call. (laughs) Uh, So then in each app, they share UI code. Um, That was a bit of work. I I wasn't sure if I wanted to implement the UI twice or go through the trouble of a cross-platform UI. I decided to go through the trouble of a cross-platform UI. So they're actually identical. UI code between iOS and Mac. Proud of that. What are you using um, with that? How'd you do that? Oh, James, just just guess. How how would Frank solve that problem? He built his own cross-platform API. Yep. Well, yeah. in fact, <laughs> yep, you got it. Hi. Hi, my name is Frank. I have a problem. 
<laughs> I like writing UI libraries. <laughs> Uh, what was funny was I had uh, I'd written the iOS UI already with my own uh, table view abstraction. It was the mm. hot thing to do in the early iOS days. Yes, and so I was already coding to an abstraction. It ended up being, in Joel Spolsky's words, a very leaky abstraction, <laughs> which bled <laughs> through a ton of UI kit stuff. So getting it working on Mac, it, it was still that thing of like, do I put in the pain and effort of getting this cross-platform thing working on iOS and Mac, or do I write the UI twice? And honestly, after years of supporting this app, I don't want to write UIs twice. And I can reuse this UI in iCircuit 3D. I can reuse this UI in Calca. You know, all, all my apps use this shared library. So it, yeah. it was worth the effort for me to get it cross-platform. Uh, so that's fun. Okay. <laughs> so, um, and and both of those operate the normal way StoreKit apps work. Uh, you observe the StoreKit. StoreKit? Is that the right word? Yeah, StoreKit. StoreKit. Right? Mm-hmm. Yeah, StoreKit. You observe the StoreKit queue. Um, if someone buys something, you get transactions. And the transactions have lots of interesting bits of info in them. And you store them away and you respond to them. And you tell, you tell it when you're done dealing with that thing. Uh, and the rest is <clears throat> uh, really just buy buttons and fetching the prices and things like that and updating your UI. So all of that is shared between iOS and Mac with the one caveat that finally he's getting to it. Your original question. Whenever I receive those transactions and I have to update my own internal data store, I also update a record in cloud kit because right now i'm just focused on um, ios and mac and in cloud kit i basically put a dumbed down version of that transaction recording which operating system it was done on and things like that and so now my flow is the normal store kit flow where transactions come in but now from time to time i update an online database and then when someone chooses the restore button, restore purchases, it not only does the restore on um, the App Store, but it also goes and tries to fetch some CloudKit records. And if it sees some CloudKit records from a different operating system, right now simple, iOS, Mac, Mac iOS, it, uh, it, it uses that transaction if it's good, if it's, uh, if it's transaction date and monthly, whatever, uh, correlate nicely. Easy peasy right it took me weeks to implement Ugh, i'm never doing it again it it is uh it's it's very 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 much uh doesn't sound complicated because like oh i have like two records up in here blah 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 like you know that's it but in reality there's all these other like edge cases and like you said there's restore and there's this other thing and this skew and that skew and then okay well what pro actually means is like did they buy it locally and do i have it locally and if they don't like oh do i need to check store kit like okay like but which one in store kit did they buy like okay this is you know so it kind of gets a little uh little little funky i don't envy you for having to implement that uh that is something that um you know you would do sort of if you were a if you had like a website and a login and all this other stuff like you would purchase something you know register it with that they would log in you would see when they were doing it so it's very similar for the process. Uh, you're just having to use CloudKit, which is I've never used CloudKit in general, but it's just like a little tiny database, right? There's a key value yeah. pair. Is that what it is? 
it's it's not quite key value paradox more like a database it's i would oh, say okay. it's closer to um table storage on hmm. uh, azure oh okay. uh it's very similar to that because it, it, it's pretty nice. <laughs> I I, I kind of want to write like a SQLite wrapper like thing over it because it's a little annoying to query. You use NS predicates, a very Apple thing, and you build up your mm. queries using NS predicates. But otherwise, it presents a very simple. Uh, they call them records. Records have IDs. You can add fields to them. You can mutate fields. You can query based on fields. In mm-hmm. development mode, um, you're accessing the development database, and the schema can change pretty fluidly. And then when you're ready to go to test flight or the app store, you uh, update the schema on the production database. So it's a manual uh, button you click to go to production, which makes it actually feel pretty safe <laughs> and comfortable because hopefully during all your development time, like you've nailed down the schema and it's going to go over smoothly. Uh, I love CloudKit. The biggest problem is it's not cross-platform. I know there's like, I think there's a CloudKit JavaScript library if you make a website, but can you access mm. CloudKit from Android, James? We should we should look into that because that would be wonderful for me for the corner I've painted myself into. But my, my super backup plan is uh, if when I want to support Android and Windows for pro mode, um, I would synchronize over their uh, iCircuit app, <laughs> uh, iCircuitApp.com account. People have accounts there. What you could do is you could upgrade your application to down in Maui and then use a, a Blazor hybrid web view <laughs> that can then access that JavaScript library for CloudKit specifically. Yeah, I should do something like that. Boom. Yep. Um, so just got just to gotta hammer that out. I, I've heard the JavaScript WebKit or CloudKit, sorry, <laughs> library is a little much. So I look forward to learning how to use that. It, it's probably all just like authentication drama because that's usually the scary thing with Apple stuff. Uh, yeah. But in a nutshell, yeah, it, it's complicated because I'm synchronizing three things. The internal data store of the app, whether it thinks it's in pro mode, um, App Store, and then CloudKit, adding a third one, <laughs> um, iCircuit accounts and things like that. I don't know. It just it, It's all just reconciling all these data sources. It's the classic cloud sync problem. Yeah, that's it's neat, though. I think that you kind of gone down this nice path, though, that at least for your scenario, which is already a little bit complicated, has in fact, you know, gone through um, this sort of yeah. funkiness. And it's a good solution because, again, you're already logged in. You don't need accounts and anything like that. Yeah. And uh, honestly, I, I had hoped to push people through the um, your, through the website method. But I was reading the Apple docs. And I'm pretty sure you have to support sign in with Apple when you do that. Uh, when you're restoring purchases that way. Apple actually does have a document. I forget what they call it, but something like cross-platform in-app purchases and their mm-hmm. recommendations for how to deal with all this silliness. And their recommendation is roughly what I'm doing, <laughs> which is do do the app store however you do, we allow you to do the app store 
and then synchronize with your own account systems. But within that document, they said you should have or must have <laughs> to be approved uh, sign in with Apple. And my website doesn't support that right now. So I got to code that up first. Nice. Nice. Yeah. Um, how did you enjoy, because this is your first time handling with subscriptions, you did consumables before. How did you enjoy the process of subscriptions? <laughs> I don't love them. <laughs> uh, the way subscriptions get tested, you can, they just keep renewing the subscription, what, every few minutes or something like that. But it completely messes with your math when um, the, the debug system is testing it. I, in the end, I think it's simple enough. There's a transaction date. You know what they bought. Here's how long it's going to last. It's one of those problems that's simple on the outside, but a little complicated on the inside. Uh, I ended up just having a very simple logic of if a transaction comes in and it says it completed, it has a date on it, I know how long it's supposed to last for, I just trust it. What I don't handle are recalling transactions, deleting transactions, removing transactions, whatever. Mm. I don't support that, James. I don't know. That That's too much. Uh, the trickier ones that I found were... Um, especially during testing, because Apple servers are just constantly lying to you during testing. Um, mm. When people switch between one month, between monthly billing and yearly billing, um, it's just awkward how it handles those transitions. So I'm a tiny bit nervous about that. But in the end, the system's pretty simple. Transactions come in, you trust them, and that's it. Just update your data stores and update the UI. Uh, with the with the multi cloud sync, I, I I got into the same mode of if there's a cloud kit record out there, I trust it because there is pretty good security around cloud kit. And if someone wants to go through the pain of hacking cloud kit to get a pro version of iCircuit, well, good luck to them. Have fun. Yeah. No, I think that makes a lot of sense uh, in general. Yeah. The subscription stuff. I did a whole blog on it that we've talked about again because it's dramatically different from. Android, the iOS yeah. one kind of they'll give you everything back. Although you did tell me that it'll it'll notify you when a new like renewal has taken place. Uh on Android, it probably does it as well. I don't know. I, I think it does. You have to you kind of subscribe to a listener on startup. But on Android, it only gives you back the current subscription. But if they've canceled it, the there's none. So it's kind of it's yeah. kind of like this weird one where it's like you need to in your app sort of preemptively figure out like how long it's good for. But because if they canceled it and then they refresh and they don't have it, you're like, OK, well, but they did have it, you know, at one yeah. point they just have canceled it. So it's kind of like this weird edge case. I feel like that's what I kept running into. And maybe you have a little bit. It's like I just kept running into weird edge cases that. It's a little bit different, but then also like, oh, the transactions don't come in in any specific order. Like I need to doubly check that. And, you know, um, if I'm if I'm re restoring, for example, is a good example uh, on that. And then you have the added complexity that you have a whole nother database to worry about technically. Yeah, the, the restore was way more surprising than I thought in, in terms of craziness. So like you said, transactions come in in random orders. And because... Here, here's the, I almost prefer the Android version because on iOS, let's say someone's on monthly subscriptions and they've done that for 10 years. 
when they hit restore, I'm going to get 120 transactions for that whole time period. It's a little bit silly for them to have to Mm. transmit me all that data for me to check whether they're good or not. Uh, That's only under a restore. Under normal times, every month, it'll post a new transaction uh, to the thinger. But I think the Google way of here's your subscription makes a little more sense especially for long-term stuff hopefully people will be subscribed for years won't that be wonderful yeah uh, or, or give yeah. me i think android <laughs> even has two apis and they introduced a new one which is like give me like give me purchase history like there's you know give me current purchases like active purchases right and then give me a history if i want to query a history from the server yeah that sounds a lot more reasonable than the Apple way to be thoroughly honest. Yeah. Yeah. And, and I messed up. Um, transactions come in random orders. And of course I was using state variables to track all that. And they would mm-hmm. get, always get out of sync because there'd be some event I missed or someone would shut down the app at the wrong time or something like that. So I had to get very serious about, you know, like one subscriber to the observer, <laughs> one thing managing all the state very carefully, mm. and then other people just watching that one. You know, there needed yes. to be a mediator because everyone watching it was insane and you couldn't track any state correctly. It was bad. Yeah. So I did have to clean up a lot of code, but uh, don't you hate that? Because it, it's so time sensitive and all that. And then, and then I finally get the stupid thing working and I get the weirdest bug. So it's all working great on iOS. I'm patting myself on my back. I go over to Mac and the UI just kept getting out of sync <laughs> with like all the process. Oh, and no. I'm like, what in the world is going on? And what I found out was when you call the restore API on StoreKit, it you know does its thing. It reposts transactions, so your transactions come in the queue just kind of like normal, except they say mm-hmm. that they're uh, whatever being restored. And then it posts another event called restored complete. It's yep. a very nice system, pretty simple, works great on iOS. You know what it does on Mac? <laughs> it does. You call restore, and it shoots you back a restored complete immediately, and then the trans- transactions trickle in. <laughs> So my UI just was not updating and it turned out the UI was very that state variable sensitive. So I had to rewrite how the UI works so that it could handle just this stupid Mac of just trickling in transactions whenever it feels like it. It does. I think I have I forget how my logic works in mine, but I'm pretty sure I have weird wacky code that sort of does similar ask things basically and queries yeah. them a, a little bit different to return them in, in a in a meaningful way but yeah it's yeah definitely an odd one i remember even i forget what i had to do like i, I think i ended up doing some weird yeah hacky work around for that which is which is which is odd but did you also appreciate uh having to test it in development and test flight where you oh, know God. normal consumers okay normal consumers of your app let's say they are purchasing your app and your in-app purchase once a month they'll say they do it for three years that's 36 transactions how long did it take mm-hmm. you to get 36 transactions in development mode <laughs> forever well okay so they have a they have a knob you can turn so i think the default is one month is five minutes yeah and after 12 transactions not talking time they just stop. 
And so your yep. app needs to detect that they stopped. What's yep. terrible is they don't bother to lie on the timestamp. So the timestamps are actually five minutes apart. And so like, how did you handle this in testing, James? Did you lie in your app? Did you cheat in your app and call a month five days or five minutes? Because I didn't, and I feel like I should have. <laughs> so, which is funny because I tested that in your app. So Frank gave me his test flight and I tested it and I was like, okay, mine should be even in test flight mode. It should, it should not work or whatever, right? It should be in this thing, blah, blah, blah. It's not even live yet. Yeah. Um, all this other yeah. stuff. I'm like, oh, I bet that it's, uh, I wonder how, I wonder how Frank did it. And I went through and I was like, okay, I just hit restore. And sure enough, I still have it, but it's been way over an hour. It's been days, blah, blah, blah. So what I did yeah. is I have a super duper secret screen that I get to turn on in my app. <laughs> uh, where I, I I click on a button, uh, uh, the label. I t- I click on a label nice. 50 times. Love it. <laughs> um, and that, you know. And what's that show you? <laughs> and that will show me a transaction debug screen. And what nice. it will do is it enables me to say, uh, restore transactions, and it will list every single transaction. So I can investigate things in real time. Now, once I click it 50 times and it goes, I don't have to do it 50 times again to go back. I just, you know, the counter is going up um, if I test it. (laughs) But it has a toggle on it that says change to development time. And that will change it from (laughs) one month to five minutes. Nice. You're you're a great programmer, James. I hope everyone appreciates that. You are. Yeah. Thanks. I, I was have a too lazy to put that UI in. See, mm-hmm. I, that, I'm, I'm, you're, you're a good programmer, James. Yeah. yeah. I, and also, okay. So I, I like that. I was doing everything based on debug builds. Mm. I need to adopt the tapping on a label trick. I will get, I will up my <laughs> game. <guess>. Yeah. <laughs> now, now you could, for example, if you wanted to, you could, you know, uh, put a conditional compilation in there and say, if, yeah. it, you know, if in test flight, I wish there was a way but, in iOS code to see if it's an, if it's a test flight build or not. Is there? Well, that's what I was, not in my case, because I'm literally doing my release build. And so all my release flights are set and everything like my test flight builds are going to be my release builds. So I'm not messing around. I want those to be identical to what the customer is going to get. That's why I actually do prefer your uh, triple, whatever. (laughs) I don't even know how to say 50. (laughs) Click. Yeah, I'm looking. I'm looking on Stack Overflow. Detect if an iOS app is downloaded from test flight. Receipt validation, maybe. Who knows? Someone says, from the main bundle... Oh, this doesn't work anymore. They changed it. Main bundle, <laughs> yeah. app store receipt URL. If it oh. equals sandbox receipt, then you're in the sandbox. Oh, that's funny. I don't want to put that logic in. I, I like there your seems, clicking. Yeah, there <laughs> seems to be a lot of people that are very unsure about if this still works or this doesn't work. Because so, it's not harmful information. I was tempted to have a transaction record screen anyway. Mm-hmm. I just thought people might be interested, but. I was also trying yeah. to keep it clean. Not many other people show that screen. Yeah. 
Well, it, it, it took a while to deep. There were all those little things, but the good news is I did write it in my cross-platform library, cross-app library. So my goal is to never write this code ever again <laughs> and just <laughs> dump it into my apps and not think about it. I love it. I love yeah. it. Uh, when is it. When does it go live? Uh, if everything goes smoothly, hopefully roughly around when this podcast is coming out, I held the build for a little bit because it was a stupid, my Mac icons weren't drawing correctly. <laughs> so <laughs> do you hold a build for that, James? I don't know. I'm a perfectionist. So I held the build. Uh, but hopefully this will be coming out um, roughly when this episode's coming out within a few days. You can get ahead of the game and buy the app early and then wait for promo to arrive. Or you can wait a few days and promo will be there. Um, but otherwise, the app's in good shape, so I'm pretty confident in saying that. Nice. I'm excited. I got to test it. It totally works. Um, and yeah, people can start to give you money. I'll keep using the test flight version. I don't have to give you any money at all. <laughs> nice. Do you stay in the sandbox forever? Are you permanently in the sandbox? No, I can get out of the sandbox. And eventually it'll expire. Okay. So, yeah. Okay, fair enough. Hopefully my code will work. <laughs> it'll work. It'll work. Cool. All right. Well, well I'm excited great. for your journey into that. Do you have any other uh, odd quirks or things you want to talk about? Uh, no, we, we covered it. I think that odd quirks will come up when we do uh, sales analysis someday. <laughs> okay. We're like, what, what was the effort worth it? We'll see. We'll see. We'll see if I have to put pro mode banners on every other screen. That is that is true. Yeah. I like it. I'm excited for your journey. I'm excited for where this is going. And um yeah we'll see we'll see where it goes i'm excited for you to get it out so it's all gonna happen frank all gonna happen big release i put too many features into this release everyone get yourself on a proper cadence don't do like me too many features it took too long (laughs) but it'll be good to have out and then now i'm gonna go on a faster cadence after this (laughs) i love it well we will get updates as frank continues on into his journey uh, but let you let us know what you think. Head over to mergeconflict.fm. There's a contact us button. You can hit us up on Twitter. Our contact information is over there. But I think that's going to do it for this week's podcast. So until next time, I'm James Montemagno. And I'm Frank Krueger. Thanks for listening. Peace. <laughs>